Hey everybody, welcome to St. Stephen's Online. We hope you enjoy catching up on our talk from Sunday. Good morning everybody, I'm Rachel, one of the vicars here and it's lovely to be preaching part two of this new series that we began last week by faith. Jez spoke about Noah and this week it's all about Abraham. So again that key verse from Hebrews 11 verse 8, by faith Abraham when called to go to a place obeyed and went even though he did not know where he was going. Because he went without knowing where he was going, Abraham is credited throughout the scriptures as somebody who had tons of faith. Paul in his letters to the Galatians and the Romans speaks of him as someone with exemplary faith, as do the authors here in both Hebrews but also in the book of James. And so this morning what I want to do is give a bit of context to Abraham's life, just share three little thoughts from his story and then land on a bit of an action for us. So first, just a little bit of context. Abraham's ancestors were a nomadic people. Although we read in Genesis 11, the chapter before him, that his parents were actually settlers. They had arrived in this place called Haran and they had settled there. But God said to Abraham, you've got to go to a place that you don't know. You will be father of a great nation, but you have to leave. And it's a simple phrase, but it just says in the text here, so Abraham went. It's important, isn't it, that we pause and consider that for a moment. Abraham would have been surrounded by naysayers. No, surely not, Abraham. We're just settled here. Please don't move us all on. Where are we even going? Do we have to? Jez mentioned last week this about Noah, that there would have been plenty of people around both Noah and Abraham who would have thought that these guys were experiencing some kind of psychological illness. People would have said, Abraham, surely it's all in your head. Really? Really we have to move on from this place? Yet despite that, Abraham went. So the text tells us just as the Lord had told him with his people and possessions from the known to the unknown, pitching their tents along the way. And as we read about his story, this is what we see. They go to Egypt for a while, an episode where Abraham fails spectacularly. And then Abraham separates from his nephew Lot, which is pretty painful. And then we reach chapter 15 and we read about God's covenant with Abraham, such a key part of scripture. This covenant or promise from God, the sign of which was circumcision, which is then referred to throughout the whole of the Bible with Jesus being placed firmly as a descendant of Abraham, part of this covenant promise. So if that's the context, what do we learn from this man of faith. Well, first thought is this. Faith starts with God. From Eden, to Gen- from Eden in Genesis 1 to this point, the relationship between God and humanity has been pretty shaky. Their disobedience means that they are banished from the Garden of Eden, and then they face a colossal flood, and then they're scattered after they build this idol, the Tower of Babel. These are a people that are constantly tempted by 
idols. They've settled in this place, Haran, but Haran is a center of moon worship. It's as if they're doing all they can to worship any other god but the true God. They constantly forget that they were created for a relationship with him. Now, at the time of Abraham's call, there is no covenant yet, no real kind of promise that's been made between God and his people. But there must have been somewhere buried amongst all this kind of idol worship, there must have been in Abraham's upbringing an understanding of who God was because he recognizes God's voice. We don't know how. Maybe was it like in a prayer or in vision? We don't know. But there must have been stories passed down through the generations of God's faithfulness and provision, of God rescuing them from the flood and bringing them to a land where they could flourish. There must have been enough kind of theological understanding for Abraham to recognize God's voice and say, aha, that is the true God. I will lean on his faithfulness and do what he says. It's a key human frailty, isn't it, that we default to making everything about us. But the thing here is that Abraham's story reminds us that faith begins with God at his initiative. Faith is a response that we make to what God has done and what he is like. Faith starts with God. Secondly, the scriptures say here really clearly when they speak about Abraham, he acted by faith, not with blind faith. By faith, not blind faith. One of the loudest critiques of religious faith is that it can't be squared with scientific belief and reason. Richard Dawkins once was debating a Christian Oxford professor called John Lennox. And Dawkins said this, he said, we only use the word faith when we don't have evidence. John Lennox replied, do you have faith in your wife? And Richard Dawkins said, of course I have faith in my wife. And Lennox said, is that faith based on any evidence? And Richard Dawkins said, yeah, I've got lots of evidence that my Oh, (laughs) and walk straight into that trap that actually faith is not opposed to reason. Faith is reasoned trust in the evidence of someone's reliability. Now, of course, blind faith is unthinking and unwise, and I suggest strongly that you avoid blind faith. Do not put your faith in somebody that you don't know very well. Do not put your faith in a deity that you can't find out about if you don't have any evidence about. People have said to me in the past, sometimes in a bit of a patronizing way, oh, Rachel, I wish I had your faith, but there's just too many rational arguments against God's existence. People have said to me, I just can't get there in my head. The inference being that I haven't used my head. But my faith is rational and rooted in my head. And of course, it has sunk down into my heart and in my soul. But in these conversations about faith, I want to say that it is as much a position of faith to say there is no God than it is to say there is a God. 
Both positions require evidence and rational thought. As a Christian, I have chosen to put my faith in the historical evidence that Jesus rose from the dead. But the person who says the resurrection didn't happen just puts their faith in a different interpretation of history. Abraham didn't have blind faith. He acted by faith in the rational knowledge that the God of his ancestors was faithful and loving and steadfast and true. And that in that moment, he'd heard that God calling him by name. Third thought from this story is this. It seems to me that Abraham models here that faith is about relationship. Faith is about relationship. I don't put my faith in concepts of what God is like. I put my faith in God and what I know of him as a result of my relationship with him. So as a person who prays, I've got to know God day in, day out, comforting me, strengthening me, giving me the courage that I need in my daily life. Day after day after day in relationship with God, my faith becomes more solid. It's not blind, but it's concrete because I can reference all the moments where God has been at work in my life and in the lives of those around me. Think about your oldest friend. Year after year after year of knowing them enables you to rationally say, I can put my faith in that person. I can trust them. I've got faith in them. You're not putting your faith in the concept of your friend. You're putting your faith in your friend and the relationship that you have with them. In this story, we see the relationship between God and Abraham quite close up, and I encourage you to to read on through Genesis, perhaps later this week. Abraham follows God obediently, but there are loads of points in the story where this leaves him feeling actually quite vulnerable, and he needs God's reassurance. We had it read here from Genesis 15, later on in the story, Abraham's freaking out. He said, God, you said you were going to take me to this place and that I was going to have all these children, but I'm getting on a bit and I still haven't got any children and we still haven't arrived in the place. And God just says, don't be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield. But it's really important for us to note this happening here. Because quite often when we step out in faith, that is when we will feel most vulnerable. That is when we will most need to draw close to God, to dig into our relationship with him. If I ever step out in faith in my ministry, those are the moments I feel most vulnerable. But I think that's where God wants us. Because in those moments, I'm more likely to lean into my relationship with him and say, God, I depend on you. I really need you. This is about you and not about me. God reminds Abraham that he will never leave him. And Abraham pushes back with all those questions about, well, where are my children and when are we going to get there? All these kind of no-filter, honest prayers. But that seems to be the way of it that we are called to 
Step out in faith, but leaning into that deep and honest relationship with God. So finally then, what is our action? What do we do when we read these stories of these giants of faith? What does it mean for us? Well, I just want to suggest one thing this morning, and it's this. We've got to keep moving. We've got to keep moving. What we notice about Abraham is that he leaves the settled place and he travels into the unknown Faith is meant to be dynamic and moving. In my mind, there is not really a thing as a mature Christian. There's just people who've been journeying a little bit longer than others. Because the moment we think we've arrived, our faith will start to contract. We've got to keep it moving. One of the best books that I've read in recent years is called On the Road with St. Augustine by James K.A. Smith. And he writes this about being a disciple of Jesus. He says, the disciple finds herself in between and on the way, fatigued, I can relate to that sometimes, fatigued and yet hopeful. He writes, conversion is not an arrival at our final destination, it's the acquisition of a compass. Conversion is the acquisition of a compass to lead us on as we keep it moving. This is exactly what we see when Jesus calls the disciples. He says, doesn't he, to the fishermen, leave your nets and come. We're going. We're going there, and then we're going here, and then we're going there. Constantly on the move. Now this is sometimes, but not always, sometimes about geography and the way we think about place. I remember when I was looking at houses with an estate agent in Twickenham, and she kept saying to me, oh gosh, Rachel, I mean, this is just a gorgeous house. This could absolutely be your forever home. Could you just imagine your family living here forever? People would do anything for this forever home. (laughs) And I was thinking, yeah, I'm not really bothered about a forever home. (laughs) It's not really me. And I wish I had been bold enough to share with her my internal dialogue, which was going a bit like this. Yeah, no, we're not really the kind of family looking for a forever home. We're a family on the move. (laughs) And we believe that God has called us here to Twickenham. And at some point, I don't sense in the sort of near future, but at some point, God will lead us on. We're listening to God and we're doing our best to follow I mean, I didn't say all of that. It would have been way more fun, wouldn't it? If I'd have been bold enough, she would have thought I was absolutely crackers. But I'm not interested in a forever home. And, you know, I think it's probably a, a, a fuller story for another day. But the journey of my family coming here to Twickenham was based on a very small prophetic word that we had five years ago. God's gentle whisper to us as a family when so much of our future was uncertain. But we really sensed that the fixed point was St. Stephen's Church, and we just needed to come. But there was loads of other things that didn't make sense, like we couldn't really find anywhere to live, and we didn't even really have the money at the time to pay the rent of where to live. And whenever we tried to get access to school places for our kids, we were told, you'll you'll just never get them. And we didn't even know anybody here. But we sensed God say the one fixed point is St. Stephen's Church, so you've got to come. 
And my testimony would be that in the four years since we made that move, God has been so faithful to us, provided places for us to live, provided school places for our kids and friends for us to meet. So I can say with confidence this life verse that I say again and again from 1 Thessalonians, he who calls is faithful. He who calls is faithful. Now God might gift us with something that feels like a forever home, but the moment we make that the goal, that's when our faith muscles, I believe, start to contract because we're blocking out the possibility that God might be calling us to someplace new. I don't want to embarrass them this morning, but I do have such a deep respect for Jez and Emma, who are shortly moving to rural Wiltshire. Now, in part, they're really excited about what lies ahead, but there's also quite a lot of uncertainty as to what that will really look like. And there are some questions that are unanswered, but they're going because God is calling them, and they are being obedient to his call. It's also true that the Lord is calling on quite a few members of our staff team over this next term. That's really sad when we say goodbye to people that we love, but we must also celebrate God's call on their life and the fact that they are being obedient and stepping into the things that God has for them. And as God calls people, so he will send people. I 100% believe that. And this is what it looks like for us to live by faith. I should also say it's true that we can keep moving without necessarily doing a geographical Move. Dave has already spoken about it this morning, but he and Dave and sorry, he and Rach and their family are going to go to All Saints Isleworth. Like it's only a mile down the road. You don't need to move house to go. If God is calling you, go. If God is calling you to another local church because you have resources and gifts and skills that that church needs, go. We've got to keep it moving. That's what the story of Abraham reminds us of. Or perhaps it's in a different way that we need to keep moving. Perhaps God is calling you to speak a bit more openly about your faith on the bus or at work, or maybe to an estate agent that is talking to you about a forever home. Maybe keeping it moving for you means to be open to a change in your job or how you spend your time, to take on a particular volunteering opportunity, just to push yourself on in faith. Remember that conversion is where we acquire the compass. The call is for us to keep on moving. Just as I close, I've wondered often actually, what would have happened if Abraham had said no? No, I'm not going God. I'm not going. In Genesis 22, right at the end of his story, God says this, all the nations of the earth will gain blessing because, Abraham, you have obeyed my 
voice. But what if he hadn't? What if he hadn't obeyed God's voice? I imagine God would have worked out his purposes in some other way. But yet it's sobering, isn't it, that God needs people to say yes, to work out his purposes. He needed Abraham to say yes. And if that's true, then he needs you and he needs me to say yes, to work out his purposes here on earth. I believe that God is looking for people here at St. Stephen's to respond to his call today. And none of us should underestimate what God can and will do through us if we are prepared to say yes. Thanks for listening. We hope you found that encouraging. Have a great week and see you soon.